Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge. And as always, joined by Shelly. And Shelly, I'm ecstatic because once a year we bring on this guest. Yep, I am an absolute fangirl of our guest today. I'm so pleased to be able to welcome to the show again, the lovely, the talented James Ellis, author of the best employer branding book ever written. If you don't have a copy, shame on you. Talent Chooses You was written by James Ellis and is absolutely the Bible around what is employer brand. And James is also the president, CEO, founder for Employer Brand Labs. James, how's that for an intro? Well, first of all, I'm terrified. I was like, is Santa coming once a year? Ho, ho, ho. I'm here. No, <laughs> well, you do I, have I, a little gray going on there oh, in the beard. So more, What's going on, man? More than a little. I'm old is what it is. You are not. I'm, I'm really old. So young. Oh my Don't gosh. let the baby face fool you. It is. Search knows. Search gets it. You got, <laughs> get some gray. Get some gray. It's all there's part a, of being a man, right? And there's a reason I shave my head is that you don't have to see exactly how much salt is in the pepper, as it were. Let's just eliminate that process as much as we can. No, I'm good. I don't know how to be called a president of anything. It's just Employer Brand Labs is the me show and it is what it is, but I'll take it. All press is good press, I guess. I can't imagine anyone who listens to the Recruitment Flex doesn't know who you are. But for those who may be newly subscribed, James, could you just do a recap of who is James Ellis? Yes. Hold on. Let me get my smoking jacket and my pipe out. So who is James Ellis? I'll get my full radio voice. Yes. Good, good. Loving it. And I'm assuming people don't know who I am because your audience keeps growing. So I'm just going to assume there's a whole section here who's like, who is this dork? And I am this dork. I'm James Ellis. I am an employer brand nerd. If you Google employer brand nerd you'll find me. If you do it without quotes, I think I own seven of the first 10 results. If you do it with quotes, I own the first five pages. Like there's no getting around that. I own that spot. I've said, if Google says it, it must be true, I guess for the time being. So there you are. (laughs) I uh, love employer branding. I am obsessed with employer branding. I do it. I talk about it. I think about it. I write about it. I podcast about it. I got a newsletter. I teach people how to do it. I coach people on how to do it. I've done an in-house. I've done an agency. I've done a consulting. I think at this point, I've literally done it all. I think if there's anything I've missed, someone should speak up and I'll go ahead and cover that base. I am just absolutely obsessed with employer brand and how it makes honestly so much stuff better. It is the salt you sprinkle on your food to make everything just taste better. And as this is the recruitment flex and not the HR flex or the marketing flex, I will go ahead and take this opportunity to say, recruiters who are listening, I know many of you think that this employer brand is fuzzy bunny bull, that it's just soft headed, watery, pretty word nonsense, but I assure you, and I can prove it, employer brand makes you look better. It makes your work better. It makes you more effective. It elevates you in almost every single way you can think of if you just give it half a chance. And I'm just going to leave it with that. James, thank you. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. I'm a believer too. Absolutely. Could you correlate that, James, to exactly how a salesperson would feel about a great marketing team or a great consumer brand? Yeah. And the funny thing is, you know, if you've done sales, and I know a lot of people in this room and a lot of people listening have done some version of sales, sales and marketing you think would get along like peanut butter and jelly, but they very often don't. They have such different perspectives on the work to do and the audience they're talking to. And in a lot of companies I've seen, marketing has a new product, they got a new feature, they got a new hoobity doobity, whatever it is. And they say, okay, 
we've done the research. The audience wants it this way. And here's the 17 features you should talk about. And the salespeople go, that's really sweet. And they nod their head and they walk away and they say, well, I'm throwing away all that stuff. And I'm going to talk about this thing because I know my audience cares about this thing. Right or wrong, there's no sides of who's right and who's wrong. They're all right and they're all wrong. But that's so often how that works. And to be fair, that's often how employer brand works with recruiters. Employer brand says, okay, we did all these surveys. We did these interviews. I talked to leadership. We did this blah, 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 blah. There's some frameworks. And the second I say frameworks, people just start, oh, there's another podcast somewhere I could listen to that doesn't use the word frameworks because that sounds terrifying. <laughs> anyway, you throw some frameworks in it and you say, oh, the branding is this, huh. And it's almost always a fortune cookie, Hallmark card level tagline that means nothing, that says nothing, that, man, it, that connects to nobody. And the recruiter goes, we pay you how much? <laughs> right? And that's so often the reaction. And the yeah. truth is, if I can help you find the thing that makes your company interesting. Now, I'm not saying magically unique. There's 20 million businesses in North America. I don't know if every one of them is exactly the different, right? There's no such thing as all unique snowflakes here. But if I can find something that says, look, here's the reason to talk about you. And I always start with this idea that a good recruiter probably has like a hundred different things, positive, great things they could talk about regarding that company, regarding that role, regarding that team. They have a plethora, a, an embarrassment of riches of wonderful things they could say. And I'm going to tell you that 90% of them aren't going to move the needle at all. Yeah. Saying we have great free lunch is nice, but who the heck takes a job because there's free lunch? Saying you got a best place to work award is nice, but let me tell you how many dozens, if not hundreds, of other companies have said the exact same thing. Of the wonderful things you could say, what's the two or three things that's going to matter? That's going to make a candidate go, huh? I haven't heard that before. Tell me more. And employer brand isn't here to sell the job. It's to create that connection and to spark desire amongst the candidate. By the way, the word desire is not a word we use often enough. We really should. Let's be fair. And every recruiter knows this. Jobs are life-changing. These are life-changing decisions. These are not just off the cuff, what's on Amazon, what's on sale as I'm walking out the cash register kind of decisions. These are life-changing decisions. We need to take them seriously. We need to say, look, there's a reason. You should desire to change that life. You should desire to have a better job. You shouldn't just deign to accept the next conversation. You should want that thing. And honestly, the people who want what that company offers, they're better employees. They stick around longer, all sorts of data around that, blah, blah, blah. But if I can help a recruiter create some focus on what's going to matter, that recruiter gets better. That means their outreach messages get better. That means the people they engage with and bring into the candidate experience are better connected. They understand what the company has to offer. They've created a frame through the interview. They ask questions about those ideas. And at the end, the most important part, when they get that offer... If you tie the offer letter, not to the salary, but to the reason you started that conversation in the first place, the thing that got you really excited the day one, you increase offer acceptance rates. And if I could increase offer acceptance rates at your company by 10%, I've paid for myself like by a factor of 17. Think of how much time and energy and money and pain is wasted on an offer rejection. And if I can trim some of those off by connecting it to that motivation that you care about, I'm helping you and I'm making you, Mr. and or Mrs. Recruiter, sound and look like a genius because you are. You just need a little focus. 20 minutes later, Serge gets an, a word in edgewise. Shelly's like, <laughs> I'm done. No. So yeah. can I ask the next question, Serge? Of course. Okay. You know, as I listen to you talk, James, I mean, I've lived it as well. Understanding that consumer marketing or the marketing department, they've got a full-time job and their approach to employer brand is through that lens. When you look at organizations, who is the best person to take on 
employer brand and own it? There's no right answer to that. It's not a function. It's not a skill set. Employer branders have so many different variations. There are employer branders who are amazing creatives. There are employer branders who are amazing strategists. There are employer branders who are amazing tacticians. There are employer branders who are amazing politicians. They play the politics game inside an organization very well. Now, let's take politics because I am so not that guy. I'm very bad at it to my detriment in-house many times. But the people who are good at it, they're the ones with the VP titles. They're the ones who can do amazing things by selling the idea to higher levels of leadership, to get the buy-in, to get the budget to make it happen. Are they the creative geniuses? No, but they're still doing great work because they have a particular skill set. So I'm a big believer that if you know what your skill set is and you lean on it as hard as you can and understand that there's a point at which every strength becomes a weakness, everybody can do employer brand because Employer brand reflects everybody in the company. So everybody should be able to reflect it, but almost anybody can kind of own it if, and I think this is the big if, if you're talking to someone in HR, you're talking to someone in marketing, you got to let go of some of the stuff you think you know, come at it a little clean and say, okay, what is a candidate really going to care about? What do they want? What are they looking at? How do we stack up relative to other companies? What are the other companies that candidates are looking at when they look at ours? That conversation is not a conversation that lives on a shelf, right? It's not a conversation that happens a lot. And so it takes a little more guts to kind of say, okay, let's open this up to say what's really going on. And that takes guts. And I think that's really where the first part of employer branding does is to say, how do we have conversations we've been scared to have or not willing to have and dive into that? So I think anybody can have that conversation. James, you mentioned earlier on offer acceptance rates, and we recently had Javite on the show talking about their Q4 report. One of the numbers that came up was 40% job offer acceptance, which blew my mind. Is that shocking to you? Like, how would you fix that? I've done it. This is an abstract. I've done it at jobs where literally big old tech companies won't name names. They were at 40%. You're looking at the numbers, you're going, how much time and energy and money is being spent throwing time away and candidates away? People who, you know, recruiters knew, I didn't know, they were on the fence at the beginning, but I pushed them through, I jammed them through. It's such a waste. It's such a pain. When doctors and hospitals have a patient die, they have, it's called an M&M conference. They look and say, what did we do? What could we have done better? And I think every company, the second they lose an offer like that, that is the most painful thing that can happen in TA. They should have the same kind of conference. What did we do wrong? How do we fix this? What do we do? So for my point of view, what happens is when we talk about work, we talk about At the very beginning, very big, pleasant, fuzzy word. We're an impactful company. We're a mission-driven, purpose-driven company. We love deers. We love snowmen. We love tractor trucks. We love whatever it is. We're the best. And we're going to give you innovation, empowerment, opportunity, agency, control, support. We love teams. All these fuzzy bunny words. And some of them are true, turns out, which we'll figure out later. And the candidate goes, okay, they seem pretty positive. Click the apply button. Then they show up to the interviews and they get all these questions thrown at them because it's still not a collaborative process. Interviews are still gunfights. And so you're trying to survive. You're trying to respond to these things. You're trying to understand what this company is all about. And it boils all down to that offer letter when they say, here is the number. Now, why does it boil down to the number? Because first off, it's not like jobs pay 40 grand and 140 grand. They pay in this range. This is what a developer gets. This is what a data scientist gets. This is what a truck driver gets. It's a pretty well-defined range. No one's surprised that truck drivers are suddenly making quarter or half a million dollars a year. There's no jobs like that, right? There's no developers making 25,000 a year, making minimum wage. 
everybody knows what these jobs pay. We define the job acceptance in that space of how much do they get paid? And every recruiter I've ever met said, oh, they said, no, we should have offered them more money. And I'm thinking you're leaving ideas on the table because the thing that got them excited at the very beginning is the thing you need to reinforce because money is money. And so long as the money is fair, and that's a big asterisk, but so long as the money is fair, you can get that money anywhere. You can get that money at any other company. So what are you really getting? And so that I call the subjective values of a company. Are you working there because you want innovation? Are you working there because you want a team? Are you working there because you want a boss who's going to support you and drive you and push you and be your rabbi and be your support and advocate? Are you there because you have control? Are you there because you get benefits out the wazoo? Are you there for the money? Is this a hedge fund situation where you're there for the cash? All those things are possible. And if you start by saying, what is the thing that attracted them in the beginning? And keep reinforcing that idea as you go and hammer it home at the offer stage. You don't just say, here's a cash number value. You say, you're here because you're going to get a boss who believes in you and is going to make you do the best work you've ever had. You'll grow, you'll develop, and whatever the world has next for you, you will be better for it. Oh, and by the way, it pays as much money. That dramatically changes the offer acceptance letter because it's not about the money because the money was always there in the first place. What's really interesting is that motivation. It's like when you go to buy a car and Volvo says, we're a super safe car, they don't suddenly halfway through the sales process say, oh yeah, we're not safe. Let's talk about this other thing. It's always about that thing. It's always threaded through the entire thing. And if you're buying a car, the salesperson is running through that whole process. In the recruitment process, it's a little bit different because you're sometimes relying on the hiring manager to communicate exactly what you just said. Obviously, there's ways that recruiters can come in after the fact to reinforce it. But how do we get hiring managers to buy in that, hey, we're selling through every step, right? We're reinforcing, which a lot of them don't believe we need to. It's like, you should be so fucking lucky to work for us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because there's no possible way to get perfect acceptance. The fastest way to get enough acceptance is to say, look, in the interview process, you're going to say wonderful things about the company. Please do but I want to make sure you hit this note. Somewhere you talk about this. Why should I do that? Well, because it's the reason they applied in the first place. And if they don't see it validated, we've lied to them and anything else we say to them just rejects the entire conversation. So you can say anything else you want so long as you hit this note. And that's where branding is smart because it creates that focus of the millions of things you could say. We're talking about these two things. We know those two things are what drove them in. They're going to see validated messages about those two things. They're going to hit it in the interview about those two things. And by the way, the offer letter, here are those two things. And they go, gosh, this company really must care about these two things. It must be true, which by the way, is a statement that every candidate has in their moment. They go, I guess this is real. That's when they have that. And that's when they decide to take that job. So that's how you make those changes. Mm -hmm. What I hear you talking about is really upskilling recruiters because recruiters, as we've always said, we're in the two-way marketplace. It is also our job to ensure that we have prepped the hiring manager properly and we have informed the job seeker properly. Tell me, is that the main feature of the employer brand labs? Because your claim to fame is well-founded, taking a 40% accepted offer rate, which is abysmal. I believe is directly connected and you've confirmed it directly connected to the skill of the recruiter. So is that what employer brand lab does? So that's what employer branding does. It helps create focus, right? Boiling it all down. Everybody has lots of different ways of describing it, but in the end, 
You can't be famous for everything. So we're going to help you figure out what you're going to be famous for. Why is Coke famous? It's all about happy. Why is Toyota famous? It's all about reliable. Why is Volvo famous? It's all about safety. You pick a thing and you beat it like a rented mule, right? You just keep talking about the thing until the prospect of whatever flavor goes, it must be true. That is what employer branding is. What I'm trying to say, for the most part, when we think about employer brander, we think, first off, oh, that's going to be expensive. We cover our wallet or pocketbook, right? Because that's a lot of money, right? We all know employer brander is incredibly expensive, and it's not. I don't think employer branding has to be the purview of the consultant or the agency. There's value in seeing from the outside, but I think there's a lot more value in doing it from the inside. Provided you have a framework to say, how am I thinking about these challenges? How am I understanding my company in a way that's true inside, but also how it's seen and perceived from the outside? How do I put it together so in a very short period of time, I put together just enough of an employer brand that it creates that magical focus? And then I can sell it internally to leadership and recruiters and comms and hiring managers and say, look, all I'm doing is not saying, here's a tagline, repeat it till you're tired. What I'm saying is of the hundreds of things you could say, talk about these two or talk about this one or talk about this idea because this is what we're all about. And so Employer Brand Labs is all about coaching and training to help people inside companies. And the other part of it is we've all been trained that employer branding is just for big companies because only big companies can afford consultants or to hire a full-time team internally, right? I think if you're a 200-person company, you need employer branding more than anybody. You don't have a massive consumer brand footprint. You don't have teams and armies of recruiters. You need every advantage you can get. And so Employer Brand Labs is all about teaching people at smaller companies to build their own employer brand and activate it well, to make it organic and feel real and feel specific because it doesn't actually take that much to build a strong employer brand. It's here, something here. that's here, here, exactly. Something that's very much needed. So James, sometimes when you say you're an employer brand geek or nerd, I believe yeah, it when it. I read some of your articles, because the latest article, what I learned from reviewing a thousand employer brand posts, which I'm like, that sounds horrible, but Wait, that's not what you do in your spare time. Come <laughs> no, on. no, I don't at all. But I did find it really interesting, and I think you summarized it really well. There's a great article on ERE.net, and obviously everyone should follow your newsletter. I'm not going to ask you to summarize it because we'll be here three hours from now. So I'm going to pinpoint a couple of key items. Serge, are you I, saying I'm long-winded? What are you talking no, about? No, no. I uh, didn't say You think it, would, but you don't say it. No, I, I think you're very focused on a couple of points that I think could help us dramatically. Yeah. The one that we harp about all the times, you mentioned when it comes to social content, companies are still focusing on ticking boxes. And the perfect example is we're hiring. So yeah. let's dig in deeper what you mean here. Yeah. So first off, the bigger picture idea is that you can say anything on LinkedIn. You can say anything on Twitter. You can say anything on Pinterest. You can say anything on TikTok or whatever it is. You can say anything. Posting something that doesn't drive action, that doesn't seed the brand, that it's just filler is so common. And I see it all the time and it breaks yeah. my heart. So look, you spent the time writing the post, whether it's we're hiring or it's happy Thanksgiving, or we won an award. Like I'm doing a report today where I'm looking at it and they say, they won a big award. And they just say, we won an award. And they walk away. And that's literally the sum total of what they say. I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. You had my attention. 
that that was not easy to get. You got my attention. There's yeah. a patrillion posts on content on LinkedIn every single four seconds. You got my attention. I'm giving you this gift and you are throwing it away by not saying anything useful. Now, in the case of we're hiring, which is the most prevalent, most obvious, and most painful fact of life here, is that if you're going to say we're hiring and you don't say why, you're missing it. You have an opportunity to say you should apply for a job. Well, first off, I know where the jobs are. It's not like you're presenting me with an opportunity I couldn't find anywhere else. I know what the job board is. I know how to find you. When you say you're hiring, give me something of value. I think every single job post a company has should meet some very simple requirements. It should be specific. It should be attractive. It should be different. And it should be real. And if you're not those things, what in God's name are you saying? What are you doing? Why even waste the energies in the muscles of your fingers to type? Don't bother. Because if it's not specific, it's not attractive, it's not different, it's not real. You are lying or wasting everyone's time. You should put that on a t-shirt. That's a good idea. You know, the other point that I looked at, and I've given up on this one. I've completely given up, James, when it comes to job ads, job announcements, job descriptions. I work for a job board and I go through thousands of these and I consult companies how they could do it better. And it feels like I'm just not making any changes. So I've given up on it. It's a windmill to choose to tilt at. And I continue to tilt at it because it just makes me crazy. But it's not like a brand new windmill. This has been a problem for a very long time. And and for my money, I think it's because one, when someone says we post a job ad, we're hiring a person, it's a game of telephone. So the hiring manager telling the recruiter, we need to get some promotion on this thing, who tells the social media person who knows nothing about this job, who knows nothing about what it means to find a person to get hired, write something, I'm going to stick it on Canva, I'm going to put it on LinkedIn, box checked, I'm done. That's where the brand comes in to say, if you're going to talk about anything, focus in these areas. And that to me is the magic, right? To say, look, I can talk about anything and refactor it, reframe it into this idea. For me, let's say the idea is innovation. And if you're saying we're hiring, you should talk about how the job is going to create X and Y and Z, this brand new thing, or it's going to work with this amazing technology, or you're going to work with a team of people who are inventing the future and be specific, attractive, and different. Get into the nitty gritty, not just saying we're inventing the future. That's a bull. Say something there. The same job posting could be focused on supportive and being a team. Okay. Apply for the job because we have a lot of benefits because we're dedicated to making sure everybody here feels completely seen, completely welcome, and we make sure we do X and Y and Z to make them feel that way. Great. Oh, let's do it a different way. Let's say it's all about empowerment. Okay, work here because we're going to make sure you have what it takes to do an amazing job. Oh, well, let's do it one more time. Let's talk about opportunity. Okay, take this job because we've got the chance for you to develop yourself. You can take any piece of content and reframe it in one of the nine or 10 major motivators. And when you look at all of your content and you focus everything into those one or two major motivators, suddenly you have a consistency that doesn't feel boring. It doesn't feel like a series of minor birds parroting the same line over and over again. You're saying something interesting. And the real power is I see a post that says, we're all about mission and value. Great. Good for you. I see another one. It's all about mission and value, but to a different direction. Oh, that's interesting. There's another one about mission and value. Wow. They must really care about this thing. We're hiring. Come support this mission by doing A, B, and C. Great. You've now created that specific, attractive, different, and real. And I believe it. And if I care about it, I'm applying. That's what it's about. Employer brand creates that filter and that focus to make 
message is more credible. The other thing we see a lot of that just makes me cringe is everyone says they have a great culture, but nobody tells us what it is. We have to guess. What do you mean by we have a good culture? How could I possibly know? I don't work there. It's like saying Mexico has a great culture or Texas has a great culture or Saskatchewan has a great culture. Wait, what the heck are you saying here? But it's the same thing. It means the same thing. And that's where specificity is so powerful. Without that specificity, I am projecting what I think I know about Saskatchewan, which is nothing. It's cold. I'm going to go with it's probably pretty cold, but that's all I know about the culture. And I'm going to make all sorts of projections. Does that serve Saskatchewan? Probably not. Well, they should fix that by telling me what their culture is all about, right? It's not even about proving it yet because it's really Mm -hmm. hard to prove. The other part of that is I think we have a completely screwed up idea of what culture is, right? The concept of culture is, oh, we all like each other. Or the culture is the CEO said we're this. That's my favorite. No, the culture is the actions and behaviors of the people in the room. That's the culture. Yeah. And how do you put a finger on that? Well, it's really hard, which is why we say things like we have a great culture and leave it at that. It is really hard because how do you describe how we treat each other when things go horribly wrong? Yeah. That for me, that's what culture is because it's okay to make mistakes or you had better start looking for another job because if you fuck up, you're the next one out the door. That's their culture. Exactly. People like that. It, that's the key though. That's the thing. I see all these people, these newbies on LinkedIn who want to say, this is what a great culture is. No, that's what a great culture is for you, mm-hmm. right? There are salespeople in this world who want nothing to do with supportive environments, who want nothing to do with the kumbaya, rah, 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 we're all in it together. They just want you to get the heck out of their way, give them a sales lead and something they can sell and make sure that their bonus is massive at the end of it. That's what they care about. That's their idea of a great culture, right? And that's true for them. And it's not true for me and it may not be true for you, but it's true for them. So don't discount it. Understanding what makes you special and interesting, that's hard work, but it's very doable. And when you do it, it's incredibly valuable and powerful. So James, during the whole Elon Musk taking over (sighs) Twitter, I kept thinking James must be so proud of him because he really did define the culture. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Cause yeah. this ain't the place for you. Yeah. Even though most people found it to be a little abrupt. Oh, um, you're being a little bit, <laughs> there, there was no gray area about yeah. what it's going to be like to work there. You will yeah. work really hard and you'll sleep in your office on the floor and you will love it and you and, will crave and, more of it. So if that's not your idea of great culture, yeah, don't work there. And the nice thing is that Elon has such a powerful grand gravitational pull. The second he shows up in the building, the culture is now about a lot. It's only about how he does things. The culture at Twitter is not that different from Tesla. It's not that different from SpaceX. It's not that different from his other companies. He carries that with him wherever he goes. And so that's valuable and that it immediately tells everybody who doesn't want anything to do with that, stay the hell away. But it also tells people, goes, well, I think I can make something happen here. Great. Now you know why you show up. It's not because of the warm, fuzzy bunny culture. It's because you think you can get something out of this transaction, out of this engagement. Absolutely. Isn't that what employment brand is, though? Employment brand is about fitting in or not fitting in, right? Like determining if that's the right environment for you. And I think in the past you mentioned, do you want to work for the government? A lot of people don't want to, but there is a very large percentage that that's That's their their dream job. That's what they want to do, right? Absolutely. I I I don't want to into something else. 
Yeah. The world changed around two weeks ago. We've been talking about AI forever, but Ah. we have not seen how AI can be actually leveraged in a way that we can understand. A big part of employment brand is there is content creation when it comes to recruitment marketing side of it. Is ChatGPT going to help us or completely fuck us up? I didn't know where you were going, but I'm 100% agreement that it is a game changer. But I think at this point, in the macro sense, things are changing faster and faster and faster. They are changing way faster than most of us could even conceive of. Like tomorrow, if they said, by the way, teleportation makes sense now, you'd be like, cool. You wouldn't be like, what? You'd be like, yeah, that sounds right. You just expect this stuff now. Chat GPT is really interesting because the way it works is that it collects information from all over and digests it and like extrudes it through a filter of what a computer thinks a person sounds like, right? Which, let's be fair, massive achievement in and of itself. Is it smart? No. If you know computers, you know what's called the Turing test, right? The the test to see if a computer is sentient. Is it smart enough to fool you into thinking it's not a computer? Someone wrote that the Turing test turns out to be really, really boring, right? It's like talking to a lawyer. What chat GPT writes is like what a lawyer writes in their spare time. It just sounds very corporate, very boring, very dry because it's collecting all this information and distilling it. And the best way to distill it and extrude it and sound like a human is to sound like a really, really boring human. There's no personality in that. There's no love in it. There's no passion. There's no blood and heart in it. It's boring stuff. And I bet that there's going to be a huge number of companies who say, yeah, let's just stuff our company through that and say, ah, that's the answer. And it's not going to get them any farther than using a Canva template. It's not going to get them any farther than using a canned job posting or using a canned job description from a book the government helped write 20, 40 years ago. If you understand that employer brand is about finding differences, you understand this is a thing that destroys differences. This is a thing that makes everything kind of sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a friend, I won't name names, but she knows who I'm talking about, who literally used it and then took the copy and said, okay, great. I can use that and I can make edits to that to give it some blood. And it was a shortcut to her. And I bet we're going to see more and more of that. Yeah. But relying on it in and of itself. Oh, wow. That's going to be rough. Unless you're hiring computers, in which case that's perfect. That's exactly brand appropriate. But do you know what I'm nervous about? Every HR tech company, every employment brand company, it's all about content creation, right? There's so much shit. Like instead of doubling down on really good content and talking more, they just move on to the next thing, right? Over and over. I'm just nervous that we're going to get double the amount of content where there's already so much noise. I would completely agree. I'm part of the process of looking at all these LinkedIn social posts. One of the things I'm seeing is that there are a lot of companies who post on LinkedIn five to 10 times a day. And I'm like, why? The data is really clear. You post no more than twice and really once is plenty if you're doing it right. But they have this sense of if I can jam enough stuff in the top of the funnel, something good's going to happen at the bottom. And that is a model that keeps being adopted by employer branders. They say, oh, I just have to keep writing more and more. It's like, no, look, let's go back. Nordstrom, you know, Nordstrom's in Canada. I think you... We do. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Good. So they're famous for customer service. Why? Well, because there was a guy on 60 Minutes who told a story of a customer they served by accepting a return for a product they didn't sell. That story was told once and it has defined their entire company culture for 30 years. One good story told well in the right channel at the right time is all you need to do. You don't have to tell it the 45th time. You don't have to tell it the 450th time. You just tell it once and 
make sure it's very findable. I think employer brand, possibly in a, I have to show that I'm doing something, right, to justify my job a little bit, is just grinding it out. Like the monkey and the organ grinder just grind more and more and more when they should be focusing on better. One great story, one great video, one interesting idea. Look at the stuff that goes viral on LinkedIn. Is it the really glossy videos that someone made 27 of? No. It's the off-the-cuff, interesting idea that made everybody go, oh, I hadn't thought of it that way. Oh, and if you can get your CEO to cry on LinkedIn, you're set. You're viral. That's another (laughs) one. But making more is not necessarily making better. I think you're 100% right. It's the Gary Vaynerchuk model that's been taken into employment brand. Yeah. And coming from content marketing personally, that's really where I cut my teeth a long time ago. The answer is always make more content. Like there isn't a problem for which the answer isn't to make more content. And I think that's a mistake. Make better content, make smarter content. Look, we're reading Shakespeare. He didn't treat 47 trillion times. He wrote a couple of plays and bam, they're good. And we go, great, we're going to use them. The Beatles were only active for nine years. We're still buying their stuff today. You make good stuff, you give it some structure, you give it a reason to be, and it has legs of its own. For me, the cringe is we have a great culture. Is there any employment branding trend that you hope will die? or fizzle out and something maybe that inspires you, you know, as you look into 2023. So a long time ago when I worked agency side, we had 60 some clients and we had to make content. And honestly, I am part of the problem. When I say we, we were actively creating too much stuff. I worked in an agency where I, I was pushing that model forward, right? When you hire an agency to build social media, you don't hire them to build four of the best stories. You hire them to make four posts a week. Mm-hmm. And that post might be happy nurses day and say nothing, happy Thanksgiving, happy Diwali, or it might be, here's a compelling story. Well, I'm going to tell you from the agency side, it's a lot easier to say happy Diwali than it is to write a compelling article. So guess what I'm going to say? The easy thing, letting go of feeling like the editorial calendar is dictating the strategy is step one. It needs to die. It's Tuesday. We have to post something. No, you don't. You don't. Honestly, if you really feel like you have to go back six months to something that was really good, repost that. Right. If it worked, make it work again. That's not cheating. That is literally how content marketing says the rules should be. Right. A good piece of content is far more evergreen than we give it any credit for. So I think finding the stuff that works, being willing to experiment, try new things, but then finding the stuff that works and really squeezing as much juice out of them as possible. That's really a big part of it. I'm seeing, though, companies find ways to get it right in these really interesting, subtle, small ways. I'm going to drop a name. The person who does this is going to be surprised if I say it. Discount Tire, I think it's just in the US, may have a Canadian reach. Their employee profile videos are so well done. Like 45 seconds. They're not really saying anything. The person isn't weeping as if it's a Barbara Walters special. They're not saying what kind of tree they are, but they're saying something interesting and they're recording it well. They keep it really tight and they say, these are the kinds of people we work with. And they don't smack you on the head with it. It's walking this really interesting line where it's polished, but it's not overly polished. Like it's clearly a professional put this together, but it's a professional who hasn't made a bunch of target commercials. It's a professional who's made a bunch of YouTube videos that work, right? It's got energy. It's got some pop. It's got some emotion. It's got some heart. And they're really, really good. And I'm really impressed by these 45, 60 second videos in which people are talking about why they work at this place and it works. That is a much better model than the Canva template with a person's face on one side and four or five words on the other. They say, it's a great place to work. And that's all they say. Ah, I got no use for that. 
So we're like a family, those types of videos are not great. I mean, if you're comfortable firing your uncle, yes, go ahead and say that. Please do. <laughs> James, always incredible insights, entertaining insights. I could go on for hours. I think you have I... so much knowledge in your brain, but we got to cut it off at one point. So a <laughs> couple of things, your podcasts, big fan of your podcasts. And Thank you. on and off in the last like very yeah. bit have been you reading your book. You should still go back and listen because your content is very relevant even four Good. years ago. It's the overall principles of employment branding, right? Yeah. So talent cast, any future with that? What's going on with? I, I have some plans and they're not nailed down yet. Tangential that there's a project that is podcast connected. It's a little bigger than that. I can't get into too many details. I'm waiting for the sponsorship deals to fall into place. I can't wait to announce it. Like I'm super pumped for this. Think the next version of the book. How do we take this bigger? So that's what I'm super pumped for it, but I can't talk about it too much because it's not really real yet. And I've learned that having written a book and made exactly no money writing a book, you don't do it until you get paid for it. So I'm waiting for the sponsorships to line up and then I will make a huge announcement. That's good advice. Your newsletter. I'm signed up to your newsletter. I read it every week. How do well, people you. sign up? The easiest way is employerbrandheadlines.substack.com or Google employer brand headlines. It should be right there. And I, when I say Substack, I think people freak out. They're like, oh, you're going to charge me for it. I know it's 100% free. It's been free for three years. It's, I'm never going to charge for it. I'm trying to get good thinking into it. I'm trying to find headlines from around to say, look, there are all these different sources of thinking. I think the biggest challenge with employer brand is when it echo chambers out, when it's just employer branders talking to employer branders about employer branding, and they say the same things over and over again. I want to bring in stuff from social media and content marketing and internal comms and marketing and psychology and Harvard Business Review. It's, it's a pretty big, interesting gumbo. How do we bring as many ingredients to the table as possible? And so if somebody wants to upskill their team, how do they sign up for the employer brand labs? I offer two kind of big things. The first is the workshop, the EVP masterclass workshop. It is the six-week program in which I can take HRBPs, recruiters, TA leaders, and walk them through how to build their own employer brand. At the end of six weeks, you will have your own employer brand. Other one is a mastermind group where mm -hmm. it's all about activation. And the reason is Activation is contextual. How Facebook is going to activate its own brand is going to be very different than Bob's Discount Furniture is how it's going to do it. It's very different than how Susan's House of Pancakes is going to do it. It's completely contextual. So how do we get a couple of smart people to say, we're all going to focus on your problem today. Let's talk about your challenges, what your situations are. Let's solve some issues. Next week, switch to the next person. And over the course of four months, you get a lot of learning you get to hear what other people are facing. And I think that loneliness of the job is a big challenge, right, for what we do. But to know that you're going to have really smart people thinking about you and how to make your life better, I think that's a huge game changer. So that's the mastermind group. So that's the two big things I want people to think about when they think about Employer Brand Labs and me. It's all on EmployerBrandLabs.com. Great. Dot com. Dot com. It's Dot a real com. business. I spent nine bucks on that domain. <laughs> James, as always, this was a pleasure. Really excited to have you. We will have you again next year, right? Well, this yeah. Tradition. Please. I think this is your fifth appearance, and they I get thought it was fourth. We brought you yeah. on with Elena once. That's true. That's true. Fifth. Oh, okay. actually, no, it is your fourth, but we did a double episode at one point. So you had so much content that I spread it into two. <laughs> but I wasn't saying you're long-winded. You just have a lot to say, which we and all quality. 
That's marketing. Really quality there. stuff. That's marketing right there. How you put James, that. James, thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> no, Thanks it's been so a blast. Much, Always is. Thanks, everybody. Wonderful to see you again. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.